How do you encourage someone to follow your lead 100%? Um, so, as a leader, um, for, for our cafe and for our cooks, they have been cooking endlessly for me for the last week. And um, if I expect them to be there at 6.30 in the morning, then I better be there at 6.30 in the morning cooking and washing dishes side by side and encouraging them and pushing through, especially when they want to quit and say, I'm not doing this anymore. And I have to be there with them. I have to show up with them and work side by side with them. How do you encourage people to stay the course when they start straying from their purpose? I want to know what the end game is. I want to know what their path is. I want to know where they're headed to so that we can keep them on that path, especially when they start straying and they're no longer reaching for their goal. How do you motivate people to be more invested in their tasks? I, I tell them a story. I make sure that they um, feel and I want to make sure that they are invested in what they're doing and so there's a purpose and there's a goal and I want them to feel what they're doing. So we tell them a story. Wow, so true. Can we say thank you to Dawn as well as our Hula sisters for doing such a wonderful job at presenting that, that word to us. You know, Dawn has been helping and, and many of her, her workers and volunteers and many of you have been doing the very best to show Jesus to the world. And uh, we're still in this together. Uh, part of me not shaving is until power is restored, then I can shave. I have electricity. Yes, I do bathe. But this is a reminder to me that every time I see my face to pray for the people in Pune, pray for the workers, Helco, the different, uh, uh, our firefighters, our, our uh, servicemen and women, and of course our, our police officers, and then our community. You know, keep praying for our community and those involved, uh, those doing their very best to get people uh, what they need. So uh, that's where we're at. Uh, we're going to be continuing in our series, Following the Ultimate Leader. And we're going to be talking about following at a distance. Because I think we all understand following Jesus, but we don't understand what it means to be close to him. Some of us may look at it as, well, does that mean I have to go to church more? Does that mean I have to read the Bible more? Well, it may include things like that, but it's not exactly that. Some of us tend to believe that if we can just maintain our walk with Jesus Christ, then everything falls into place. And if we can just do the right things, then we don't have to worry so much about our relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, we're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 26. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, I'll, I'll still read us the scriptures, and then there are some notes in your bulletin that you can take out, and it'll help you to follow along. If you think about it, no one plans to follow Jesus at a distance. No one says, well, I, I, I want to... Uh, receive him as my Lord and Savior and then be as far as possible to the Lord. Be as far as possible from the Lord. Be as far as possible that I can about the things of God. And some may have even turned their back on Christ, but that wasn't the case in the beginning. The beginning was you loved everything about God. When you came to know Jesus Christ, everything was fresh. It, there was a, a brokenness that was healed. There was a better perspective in life. 
And then slowly but surely, maybe there is some distance that took place. Maybe the fire that was once there is no longer there. And it could be for various reasons. It could be from just life itself. It could be from different circumstances that have come your way. It could be from other people. Maybe you took your eyes off of Christ and then you started to put them on people. And maybe you had expectations on people. And maybe they let you down. And so your relationship with God and with Jesus Christ became distant. And it happens gradually. It happens to all of us. And many of us don't recognize it until it's too late. And the Bible warns us about that. It warns us about an apostasy or a falling away from the faith. The Bible warns us because the Bible knows and God knows that we tend to live like that. And so we want to learn from Jesus Christ on how we can continue to stay close to him. And then we're going to look at the life of Peter, who we know as someone who followed Jesus at a distance. We were uh, walking and just, you know, exercising, walking down our street. And usually when I go walking, I, 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 I still do some work. You know, if there's people that I need to connect with or emails that need to go out or text messages, it's like I can think best when I'm walking and more exercise walk. I guess the blood is flowing and my brain can function better. And so sometimes I'll text. Well, this time Heidi and I were walking together and I got a text message and I said, Heidi, is it okay if I, you know, text someone back? She goes, yeah, go ahead. And so she's walking. Now, I'm trying to text and walk at the same time. Now, I'm not Portuguese. But I've inherited some from my wife. So it's hard for me to text and walk at the same time at the same pace. So as I'm walking, I, I notice that I'm becoming more and more distant from Heidi. And then after a while, as I'm texting, I'm going at a slow pace. And then all I hear is Heidi saying, hey, hurry up. And I look up and she's far now. And so I got to jog a little bit just to catch up with her. If you're not paying attention, you can lag behind from someone you're walking with or following. If you're not paying attention, you lag behind. I've seen this happen often, and I, I've caught myself doing this, that when Heidi and I go shopping, I'll jump out of the car, I'll alarm the car, and I'll just walk. And then next thing I know, I'm thinking, wait, where's Heidi? <laughs> i got to go back to the car. And I'm like, where, what are you doing? She goes, well, I had to get the checkbook, I had to get this ready and that, and I tend to forget because I'm on task, I'm on mission. And sometimes I have to come back. And if we're not careful, if we're not watching, if we're not focusing, we tend to leave people behind. We're on Oahu. Heidi does not like driving on Oahu. I mean, some of you, you don't like driving on Oahu. You're okay driving here, but once you get on that freeway and everything just, you know, crisscross and you got to take these turns, she doesn't like that. And I said, Heidi, all you have to do is just watch the cars around you because then you're all going same speed. It doesn't even look like you're moving. She goes, no, too close, too many cars, eight-lane highways, no can do. But this time she had to drive because I was in another car and she had to follow me. And so she said this, make sure you don't go too fast. Don't drive too fast. Don't go ahead of me because if you lose me, I'm going to be lost. I said, but you have GPS. You can find the way. She goes, no, I don't want to get lost. So make sure you don't go too fast. And then she said this, just keep your eye on me. That's all I'm asking. Just keep your eye on me. Just keep looking in the rearview mirror. Keep your eye on me. And I said this, Heidi, if worse come to worse, you can always call me. You can call my cell phone. If worse come to worse, just call me. Did that help? Absolutely not. 
She just said, you keep your eye on me. And she said this, don't you lose me or else. Now, when a wife says that, you know, you got to buckle down. You got to pay attention to that. Well, the good news is she was able to follow and we got to where we, were, we needed to go. She was close by. She didn't lag behind. And we we're fine. And I thought about that. I thought, you know, when we follow people, when we're, when we're trying to find our way and we don't know the way, it's good to stay close, isn't it? It's not good to lag behind. I mean, that's the worst. That's, you're talking fight in a marriage. You got to stay close. And that's the same way with God. He knows the way of our life. He knows the plans that he has for us. He knows the best way possible. So we want to stay as close as we can to him. Well, Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus Christ, he stayed close to Jesus until it was difficult. It was difficult to stay close to Jesus because now Jesus was on his way to the cross. And we pick up in Matthew chapter 26, and you have your scriptures there. It's interesting that when, when Jesus is going to the cross, that is the time where, in what he talked about most. That's what the whole Old Testament was leading up to. It was the coming of the Messiah and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jeremiah 22, uh, 3.22, it says, Return, you backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Indeed, we do come to you, for you are the Lord our God. The Bible talks about this distance, this falling away, or as we know it as backsliding, that you, you slide away from your closeness with Jesus Christ. And the Bible talks about it because the Bible knows we tend to drift from God. We tend to be distant from Him. Jeremiah 2.19, it also says, Your wickedness will punish you. Your backsliding will rebuke you. Consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you when you forsake the Lord your God and have no awe of me, declares the Lord, the Lord Almighty. 2 Thessalonians 2.3, it says, Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first, or a falling away, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Are you, are you distant from Jesus? Are you close to Jesus? What is your relationship with him like? It is, a, is it a religious thing that you, you, you treat it as? What is your walk with Jesus like? You may be brand new with the Lord. Maybe you're learning about this relationship with Him. Or maybe you've known Christ for a long time. But it, the question remains the same for every single person. How close are you to Christ? What is your distance like? Even for those of you who don't know God yet, who have not given your life to Jesus Christ, isn't there a distance there? Maybe there's some questions. Maybe there's some things that you've been wondering in your life and it's, it's causing you either to become closer to Jesus or maybe you're keeping a distance just enough so that you're not, you're not identified with him but you're learning from him. We all have a certain distance from Jesus Christ and if you're not following Jesus, really, you're actually falling away. It's, isn't it true that life is an uphill battle? It's like you, you, you fight every day just to survive in life. And if that's true, if, if life is an uphill battle, imagine if you put that in neutral. You automatically roll downhill. Remember driver's test and learning to drive standard? Oh, the worst thing was going uphill when you had to stop at a stop sign or a stop light and you had to do the clutch and the gas. You just burn out because it was hard to do the clutch and gas thing. So you said, I'm just going to buy an automatic. I just want to buy an automatic. But our relationship with Jesus Christ is not automatic. 
There's some, there's some shifting that takes place, some adjustments that take place along the way. There's also neutral. There's also reverse. And sometimes we click it into neutral or reverse, and then we distance ourselves from God. If you ever find yourself distant from God, guess who moved? See, God never leaves us. He doesn't forsake us. Most of the times, we subtly come to a place where we're in neutral or even reverse. And we've all come to a place of brokenness. We've all come to a place of hurt and pain. That's why Jesus went to the cross. He understands everything that we go through. When we were at uh, Disneyland, there's a, a little kind of like a ride called Autopia where you jump into a little go-kart and then you can drive it. And the problem with that is you, you got to keep going. If not, the person behind you will bang you. So if you stop, you endanger yourself, your neck, and the people behind you, their neck. So you got to keep moving forward. And that's, that's the same thing like God with our relationship with Him. If you're not continuously moving forward, you're in danger. It won't be too long till your neck will get injured spiritually or you will injure someone else. We must keep moving forward. So let's learn how that happens. How, how, do, we, how do we find ourselves at a distance? And in doing so, we're going to find out how to stay close to Jesus Christ. So the story takes place where Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room. This is before he goes to the cross. Meets with, meets with his disciples. And that's where he identifies Judas one of his disciples, as the betrayer. And then he says to Judas, Judas, whatever you need to do, go and do it quickly. And then remember, Judas goes and gets the 30 pieces of silver to betray Jesus Christ to the religious leaders. Now it's in the upper room where Jesus broke bread and took of the cup and began what we know as communion. And he started something to revolutionize our relationship with God. He did something that, that kept us remembering what he did for us. And it was in that upper room that he challenged the thinking of the disciples that, that why would God choose someone like me? Jesus is letting his disciples know, I, I, I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to take place. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be tried. I'm going to be beaten and crucified on the cross. But I'm going to rise from the grave. Now, the disciples really didn't understand what he was saying. They didn't grasp what he was saying because they're thinking, well, why would, why would you choose people like us? We're, we're, we're nobodies. Why would you choose someone like me? And you might be thinking that too. You might be thinking, well, what would God want with me? What would he want to do with my life? I mean, if he knew my past, there's no way possible he would want somebody like me. Well, guess what? He knows your past. He knows my past. He knows your past. But here's the better thing. He knows your future. He knows your future. Now, yes, it's true that God has foreknowledge. And if that's true, then why would God choose someone like us that he knows are going to fail even in the future? Well, God not only sees what we've done that is wrong, he also sees our potential of doing things that are right and good. And that's what God looks at. He doesn't see our shortcomings, our mistakes, or our flaws. He sees who we can become. That's why he died on the cross. He says, I believe in you. There's a future and a hope for you. Now, Peter was one of his disciples. They remember when Jesus talked to him, he said, you are Simon, son of Jonah, but 
You're no longer Simon. You're now the rock. The stone. He changed Peter's perspective, changed his whole outlook on life, and, and gave Peter new hope. He gave him a, a, a new life up ahead. Then Peter took that, he received it, and he ran with it. He knew that he had a calling. That Jesus said, you're a fisherman, but now I call you to be a fisher of men. When, when, when Peter, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, I wonder what the disciples said when, when Jesus said, no, you, you were Simon, but now you are Peter. I wonder if the disciples were laughing at themselves saying, wait, do you know who you're talking about? He's not no rock. This guy is impulsive. He just does what he wants to do. He's not no rock. But Jesus spoke it. See, when, when, when people see your flaws and people see your past, God sees your potential. God sees your future. You know, Heidi loves making things. She, can, she calls it uh, rediscovering. She renews things. And so when she sees like a bunch of pallets, I see pallets. She sees, she sees shelves. She sees framework for pictures and artwork. That's what she sees. It's kind of like that with God. When we see flaws in ourselves, God says, I see something in your future. I want to help you become that. And that's what Jesus was doing with Peter. He was saying to Peter, no, I know what everyone else is saying, but listen to what I'm saying. I'm making you into something that you cannot make on your own. In Matthew 26, 31, on the way, Jesus told them, tonight all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you into Galilee and I will meet you there. So he's letting them know this is what's going to take place. But, but after a while, after I'm, after I'm raised from the dead, I will meet you in Galilee. So he's giving them instruction. He continues, and Peter declared, even if, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Like he's, he's acting out his part now. He's the rock now. So he has to, he has to say to him, well, no, yeah, the sheep are going to scatter. Yeah, people will leave you, but I'm not going to leave you, Lord. There's no way I'm going to leave you. Everyone else may desert you, but I'm not going to leave you. Now Jesus replied to him, I tell you the truth. Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me. Peter said, no, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all of the other disciples vowed the same. So Peter is saying, no, Jesus, no way that's possible. First of all, you called me the rock, so, you know, I, I, I got some foundation now. There's no way I'm going to leave you. It almost sounded like Peter was relying on himself after a while, that he had, he had so much self-confidence and he wasn't confident in what the Lord was saying. And in, in one of the Gospels, Luke chapter 22, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that, you, that he may sift you as wheat. I mean, Jesus was saying, Here, here's, here's what's going to happen, guys. I'm going to be arrested, tried, beaten, and crucified, but I'm going to rise again from the grave. You're going to scatter. And that's when Peter said, no way, no way. That's not going to happen. And then Jesus says, hang on. Peter, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you. That he may sift you as wheat. And I wonder if Peter is saying, wait a minute, who? 
Who is asking for me? Satan. Satan. Why is he asking for me? Because you got to remember, God is omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's omnipotent. He's he's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. So the devil is not the opposite of God. The devil is not all-knowing. He's not all-powerful. He cannot be in everywhere at once. So in order for Satan to ask for Peter by name is significant. It tells us that Peter has a very important role in the kingdom of God. See, the devil doesn't bother people who won't make a difference. He doesn't need to bother them. The people who don't make a difference for the kingdom of God leaves them alone. Why? Because they're not making a difference. Now, football season is coming up because I know some of you, you're, you're, you're getting hyped up for that. You're putting up all your gear or it was up all year long. Thank you to the wives letting us do that or vice versa. And so football season is coming up. You will hear throughout the season that they target a certain person. If there's a lineman, they're going to double team him if he's a star player. If there's a wide receiver who is all-star, they're going to double up on him. If there's a quarterback who's a runner, they're going to put someone to spy on him. they, They make sure they key in on those who are the most effective. They're not worried about the ones that aren't doing anything. They don't have to worry about them. The same way is true with the enemy. That he targets those who makes a difference in the kingdom of God. So that's actually good news as well as bad news. The good news is, oh, that means I'm making a difference for the kingdom of God when you feel an attack by the enemy. You're making a difference. You're doing something for the kingdom of God. And he doesn't want you to make a difference for God. So he throws all kinds of things your way that causes you to be distant from Jesus Christ. The good news is that Jesus came to overcome the enemy. You're victorious in him, not in your own self-confidence. Peter kind of had some self-confidence. It's kind of like he relied on himself and he says, you know what, I, I'm, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to fall away. But Jesus says, no, this is what's going to happen. But then Jesus says in Luke 22, verse 32, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, so he's letting Peter know, you're going to scatter, everybody's going to scatter, you're going to leave me, you're going to deny me, Peter, but when you return, do you notice the encouragement that Jesus gives? He actually tells us, yeah, you're going to fall away, but when you return to me, here's what you do. Strengthen your brethren. See, when you're called by God, you always have an assignment. You're always a part of his kingdom and his plan. Jesus said, I am praying for you. Imagine if you could hear the subtle prayers of our Lord Jesus Christ for us. Imagine if you were, every day you woke up, you just heard his prayers for you. Wouldn't that just build you up? If you heard the prayers of the Lord saying, this is my child, this is my chosen one. In him, I'm going to do great things. In her, I'm going to do great things. There's nothing that can separate you from me. I will do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you could ever possibly ask or dream. Imagine if you could hear the prayers of Jesus Christ every single day, how that would change your life. Wouldn't that just draw you close to him? Well, we can hear the words. It's it's found in the Bible. You open this up every day. You're going to hear the words of Jesus Christ praying over you every single day. As Romans 8.34 tells us, Who then will condemn us? No one. 
for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. He's pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Absolutely not. Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's pleading for us. Christ prays for you. He believes in you that much. You know, you really don't pray for people you don't believe in. You really don't. I mean, that's a good and not so good thing as a believer. If you don't believe in someone, you really don't lift them up in prayer. Jesus believes in you. So he prays for you. He's always interceding for us. He's always speaking to the Father on behalf of our future. And here's where Peter goes wrong. He put too much confidence in himself. He declared, even if everyone deserts you, I will never desert you. In other words, he's saying, yeah, they're going to scatter. They're going to scatter, but I will not. I will not. And he had too much self-confidence. Peter just felt, no way I could do that. Have you, have you ever said that? Have you ever said, there's no way I'm going to do that? No way it's going to happen. Lord, no way I'm going to do that. And then you actually do what you just said you wasn't going to do? Maybe too much self-confidence rather than confidence in the Lord. And you said, nope, not going to do that. You see someone's marriage fall apart. You say, no way I'm going to let that happen in my marriage. No, for Heidi and I, anytime I do marriage counseling, boy, it teaches me so much. I go home and I just hug Heidi and I say, Heidi, we got to stay tight. I never go home and say, Heidi, did you hear about this person? Oh, man, thank God we're not there. Thank God our marriage is perfect. Thank God we're doing well. No, I come home in humility and I say, Heidi, we got to guard our marriage. We got to make sure that we're close to Christ, that we're communicating because it comes subtly. We're never distanced from Jesus just like that. It doesn't happen overnight. There's a subtle apostasy, a subtle falling away. It comes subtly. And Peter had too much self-confidence, and so it came up, and that pride came up. Pride comes before a fall. When I was in the seventh grade, we had this huge six-foot soccer ball that, that we'd play on the field. And if you got it between the cones, then you, you would get a point. Well, we won that game, and I felt so good about it. I ran. I chased the ball down because it was going down a hill. I ran, jumped on it, and stood on it. Actually, I was on my knees, all confident because we won. I'm like, yes, suckers. And then someone hit the ball. And there went myself. I flipped over, broke my arm. I stood up, and I looked at my arm. I thought, that's not normal. And then so my friend saw it, and he had a cast. He goes, yeah, that's broke. Broken. Had to have a cast on. Pride comes before the fall. If you ever come to a place and say, yes, I've arrived. Jesus, I love you so much. I've arrived. Be careful. Too much self-confidence will cause pride, and pride comes before the fall. If you're ever going to boast, don't boast about how much you love Jesus Christ. Boast how much Christ Jesus loves you. Because that's where the power is going to come from. It's going to come from relying on him. Matthew 26, verse 39. 
He went on a little farther and bowed his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken from me, taken away from me. And this is in the Garden of Gethsemane before he goes to the cross. And this is speaking of Jesus Christ. But then he says this, Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. And he said to Peter, Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Even just keep watching, pray. So that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. No, Jesus was saying, Peter, there's a subtle distance now. Not only did you have self-confidence, but now you're not even praying. See, a lack of prayer slowly puts us another notch back from being close to Jesus Christ. Oh, but we pray, we pray, but we don't, we don't always pray. Well, why don't we always pray? Well, because, you know, things are going well. Why do I need to pray? Bills are paid. Family is doing well. Marriage is great. Everything is going good. Until something happens. And then, oh, boy, we pray, which we need to. We need to. And God still hears our prayers. But why do we wait for things to go bad to pray? Jesus was saying, you know, this, the hour has come. This is not the time to sleep. This is the time to pray. This is when you pray to me. You ask, you seek, you knock. Otherwise, you're going to fall into temptation. See, prayer is not only for petition to ask God for things or to say our needs to him. It's also for protection. We ask for his protection from us, his provision, his guidance. And we're saying, Lord, this is, this is, what, what, this is why we pray. And then when we pray, it draws us closer to him. See, prayer doesn't just get us what we need. It protects us from what we don't need. Otherwise, we say yes to everything. But if we're praying, as the Bible says, pray without ceasing. It's a continued prayer to God that we rely on him. Then he, he's able to speak to us. Then he's able to help us along the way. And Peter, Peter was distant because he just wasn't praying. Sometimes we forget to pray. We forget about prayer. And then we just go about our day. And people, people will come up to us and they'll say, hey, you know, how, how is your life and how are things going? It's going great, going great. We don't need to pray about anything. But then when something happens, boy, are we praying. And prayer or a lack of starts to pull us away from Jesus Christ. And Jesus knew what lied ahead. He, he knew what lied ahead but the one thing that he, when he said, can this cup be taken away from me? Maybe it was the actual crucifixion. Or maybe it was the actual sins of the world being placed on him. Because remember, Jesus was all man, but he was all God. So he experienced pain. If he was pounding, you know, something as a carpenter and he hit his finger, he felt that. He wasn't like Thor and just hit his finger and he didn't feel anything. He became just like us so that he could identify with us so that when we have needs, he understands how we are. So he was all man, but he was all God. So going to the cross, yes, he understood the crucifixion, but there was one thing that Jesus never experienced. He experienced pain and sorrow, but he never experienced sin. Jesus was just about to experience the sin of the world on the cross. He was going to experience what death was like, the payment for sin. 
And now he's going to experience something brand new. Never experienced sin before. Imagine that. He's so sorrowful. The Bible says his sweat became like blood. He didn't need the word of God. He was the word. He didn't need a sermon. He was the sermon. All Jesus was asking from his disciples was for some company, relationship, companionship. Hey, guys, can you just stay up with me? Just stay up with me. Come on. This is the final hour. Just stay up with me. Now, to the defense of the disciples, one, one version of the Bible says that they were, they were tired and they were sleeping from sorrow. That they, they fell asleep from grief. I think we've all been there, haven't we? We've, we've cried ourselves to sleep. Maybe a loved one passes away and, boy, you just miss them and you, you think about them before you go to bed and you just cry yourself to sleep or something is not going well and you just cry yourself to sleep. And Jesus understands that. He saw that happen right in front of him with his disciples. Peter experienced that and they were sorrowful. But when the Bible talks about this sleep and that lack of prayer, it kind of ties into our spiritual walk with him. That there's a, it's almost like there's a, there's a spiritual sleep that we have. We just, we just fall asleep spiritually on the Lord. As Ephesians 5.14 tells us, this is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It's like we fall into a spiritual sleep, a spiritual apathy, that we don't, we don't we're not as close as we once were with God. There's a falling away. You know, as teens, remember when we were teenagers, we would stay up all night when there was a sleepover or when we were younger? We'd, we'd be like, let's just stay up all night. Yeah, let's see if we can stay up all night. Then about 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, you're delirious. You're laughing at everything. You're just cracking up laughing because you're just, your mind is delirious. And that's what happens when we have this sleep deprivation spiritually. We're delirious. We don't know how to think straight, how to speak straight, how to act straight. We don't know how to walk straight. And so our life with Jesus Christ becomes distance because we, we're sleepy spiritually. And he says, you got to wake up, oh sleeper. How many of you guys, oh, maybe don't raise your hand if you want to, because I'm going to raise my hand on this. We're grouchy when we're tired. Yeah, most of us, we're grouchy when we're tired. I mean, I'd be tired, and then if my kids are bothering me, I'm grouchy. If I'm tired and Heidi wants to do something, I don't want to do something. I'm just tired. I'm grouchy when I'm tired. And some of us, spiritually, we're just tired. And so we're, we're grouchy, spiritually. We have an attitude, spiritually. And sometimes, because we lack prayer, we're just grouchy, spiritual, tired people. And Peter was catching that. But as he slowly became more distant, he trusted in his own efforts Instead of God's power, he, he, he kind of trusted in, his, in, his, in himself, in the efforts of man. He took matters in his own hand. Remember when they came to arrest Jesus? They were in the garden. Right after Jesus was praying that prayer, Judas shows up. Now remember, Peter is hearing all of this from Jesus. Hey, make sure you pray with me. Hey, we got to stand up. We're gonna, we're gonna, you're going to deny me. And, and so Peter's dealing with all of this. Here comes Judas, the one that's going to betray Jesus Christ. And then Malchus is there, one of the high priest's servants, who comes forward. And remember now, Peter has a sword. He brought a sword with him because he thought they were going to fight. 
And so now here's this whole scene, and, and here comes the religious, uh, uh, the people that wanted Jesus arrested, the, the, the servants of the high priest. You have Judas there. You have the, the guards and the, the prison guards, and they're there to arrest Jesus. And now Peter's watching this whole scene. Now remember, Peter's no longer Simon. He's now the rock. He was the rock before the rock today. So Peter is the original rock. And so Peter comes on the scene. He sees this. He pulls out his sword and he just, and he slashes the ear of this high priest servant, Malchus. Slices his ear off. Now you would imagine the, the, you know, the, all of the ruckus that is taking place and the commotion and and you would think everyone would just draw swords and start slashing. But Jesus says, hang on, Peter, put away your sword. He's like, what? This is what you called me to do. You called me the rock. I'm, this, I'm now this strong foundation. And Jesus says, that's not what I'm talking about. You're not no wrestler. This is not how we're going to do this. And so Jesus put some peace to it. And this is what Jesus does. He actually heals the ear of this man. The last miracle that Jesus does is to a man who is there to arrest him. Could you do that? Could you treat someone like that who was there to come against you, to treat them with kindness? See, we can't do that, do what Jesus did when we're distant from him. You know what we do? We slash people's ears off. That's what we do. Peter was already at a place that he was becoming more and more distant from God. Until finally, he's noticed at being distant. In Matthew 26, verse 69, Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, saying, you, you also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. Now that's the first denial. Remember, Jesus said this already. Peter's just doing what Jesus said was going to happen. He doesn't even notice he's doing this. And when he had gone out to the gateway... Another girl saw him and said to those who were there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. But he again denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you also are one of them, for your speech betrays you. And he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. Peter is now actually living out what Jesus said would unfold. Jesus actually told Peter, these things are going to happen. Now Peter didn't take to heed what Jesus was saying and so it just came about. And so now Peter wept bitterly because he now catches what he just did, that he denied the very one whom he said, no way I would ever do that. Peter found himself blending in with the people. And the, the gospel says that from each denial, there was time that went between. It says a little while after. So Peter had time to actually get things straight. He had time. And we might be thinking, why didn't Peter just leave? I mean, they're identifying him as denying Christ or being with Christ. Why didn't he just leave? Because it can almost seem like, well, why, why are you just blending in with them? Why didn't you just leave? Knowing everything Jesus told you. And I thought, well, 
when do I leave? When, when do I leave that, that scene that I shouldn't be involved in? When do I leave that argument that I shouldn't even be arguing about? When do I leave that, that scene that I see on the TV screen? When do I turn that computer off when I click that button? When do I leave? Because there's a blending in that's going to take place. And Peter started warming himself around the fire. And he started blending in with people. Peter is so distant from Jesus Christ that he doesn't even notice that he's blending in with the ways of the world. The one who is called the rock is now among the people rather than Jesus Christ. And the Bible says Peter followed Jesus at a distance so he could see the very end. You know, know, Peter was watching. Peter was watching the end of everything. The end of Christ's life, the end of the dreams that he had, the end of the potential that he had. He was watching all of that take place unfold right before him because he forgot about what Jesus said about the resurrection. He only was focused on what was happening today. And for many of us, that's what we focus on. We only focus on what's happening today. We don't focus on the resurrection that Jesus wants to bring in us. Yeah, we go through death. We go through heartache and pain and sorrow. We go through a falling away, a distance from Jesus Christ, but then there's a resurrection that Jesus says, look forward to that. He knows what's going to happen in us, but he wants to bring us back to life because he knows our potential. He says, I'm not finished with you yet. With Jesus, and what Peter was looking at was there's an end, but Jesus says, no, Peter, this is part of the beginning. It's part of a new beginning. That Peter gave Jesus, the end, while Jesus was showing Peter the very beginning. And that's what Jesus wants to give us today. We fall into that same situation all the time. Now, this scripture is not in your notes, but Psalms 1, it says this. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of living water which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf shall never wither. You know what the Bible is saying? That there's going to come a time that you're going you're to walk in the path of sinners. It begins with that, just that walk. You kind of just walk by like, ah, I can deal with that. I can deal with that. But then after a while, you kind of stand there. You kind of pay attention to what's going on. You're curious. And the next thing you know, you're not just standing in the seat of scoffers. Now you're sitting there. It's kind of like when you walk by Cinnabon and you're on a diet. You just walk by. Then after a while, you just kind of stop. And you just check it out. Next thing you know, you're sitting down eating a Cinnabon. You didn't even know that was going to happen. Or, you, or you're on a budget. You want to watch your spending. You walk past by. You see the sale sign. And you're like, ah, I'm on a budget. But you're like, but what is on sale? Oh, 75%. I'm just going to look. I'm just going to walk. The next thing you know, you're standing at the clearance rack. And you're like, $15. That's it? From what? $250? Oh, this is a deal. This is a deal. And then next thing you know, you're sitting at the register paying for something you can't afford. It happens. We walk, we stand, and then we sit. And that's what happened to Peter. And then came the denial. Peter denies Christ. But here's the good news. Even though Peter denied Christ, remember in John 21, remember when after Jesus rose from the grave, this is the third time now he shows himself to the disciples. And he's on the shore and he's, he's there with Peter. And remember he asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, you know I do. Jesus uses the word agapao or agape. 
an unconditional love. He says, Peter, do you love me unconditionally? Peter uses a word back that means friendship. He says, no, I flail you. I, 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 I'm not there yet, Jesus. I'm not there at an unconditional love. I can't throw it all in. I don't have it. I don't have what it takes to throw everything I got into this relationship. I, I, I like you as a friend. And that's the challenge Jesus gives to us. He says, can you love me unconditionally like how I love you? And Peter was just giving an honest assessment of where he was at. He was saying, Jesus, this is where I am. And it can almost seem like, what, one of the disciples? No, he should have been able to say, Jesus, I will die for you because Peter actually did. But we see that in retrospect. But at that very moment, Peter was just being open and honest with the Lord. And that's what Jesus asks for from us. Just be open and honest with him. Jesus, this is where I'm at. I don't love you like how you love me. I can't love you like how you love me. I don't have it. And here's what's beautiful about Jesus. He says, I, I accept you anyway. If the love you have for me is only a friendship, I take that. Because you will only love me when you understand that I first love you. And when you understand that, then you'll be able to see no matter how distant you are from me, you can always call out to me because I always have my eye on you. Even if you're distant, I will keep my eye on that rearview mirror. Even if you're lagging behind, I will be there with you. No matter how far you stray, the book of Revelation, it says, but I have this against you that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. Or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. And it can almost sound harsh, but no, it's with the love of Christ. He's saying, I know where you have fallen. But you need to remember where you have fallen from. Return to me. Live your life for me. And you may have forgotten about Jesus. You may have, have lagged behind. Maybe you feel distant from him, but he's just a call away. He says, call upon me, and I will come to you. If you seek me with all of your heart. Just call upon Jesus today, no matter how distant you are. Would you pray with me? And we're going to pray that today. Lord, we all lag behind. Sometimes we're focused on something else, and so we lag. But Lord, we turn to you and we ask you for the wisdom required to draw close to you. Some of us have fallen away. We, we've fallen away from the faith. Lord, it's time we come back. We come back to you. We call out to you, Lord. Lord, there's some here this morning, I know they may not have a relationship with you, so they feel really distant from you. And I pray if you're here this morning and you've, you've been feeling distant from God and you're saying, I don't have a relationship with God, so how do I have this relationship with him? Oh, it's simple. Jesus did the difficult thing. He died for you on the cross and he rose from the grave. He put sin to death so that you could live for him. And all it is is you calling about, about calling upon his name and reaching out to him and saying yes to him. And the Bible says, 
For any who call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, that's me, I want to call upon the name of the Lord. I've never received him into my life. Could you just lift a hand and I'll pray with you? You're just saying, I want to receive Jesus into my life. Just go ahead, lift a hand, good. Be bold, God sees your hand, good. God sees you, God bless you, he sees you back there, he sees your hand, good. Anybody else? God bless you. God says, I I hear you, I hear your prayers. I see you in your sorrow when you cry yourself to sleep. And I hear every tear that drops. I've collected them because I weep with you but he wants to save you you can put your hands down and here's the prayer we can pray this prayer together in fact let me just go a little bit further for some of us maybe we have fallen away maybe we know Jesus Christ and we're saying boy I've I've been distant from you Lord can I just take that step forward Lord and say I want to draw close to you once again and I've not been as close to you as I would like to But Lord, can you forgive me? I repent from my ways. I want to draw close to you. You may feel that you want to be closer to the Lord. You just want him to be first place, that you desire him. And if that's you, could you just lift a hand real briefly, and you're just acknowledging, Lord, I want to come close to you. I want to be closer to you than I am now, and I return to you. Yeah, many of us, Lord. You can put your hands down. Let's all pray this prayer together, especially for those that are saying yes to Jesus for the very first time. And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you came and died for me. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Come live in me. I trust you. And I will follow you all the way into eternity. We pray this in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen, amen. Let's-